How are we doing the adenoid? Is that uh, going to be livable, workable? Yep. Good. Good to go. Hey, so listen, next week um, we've got a guest preacher coming in, and I want to just uh, encourage you to listen to him, uh, show up, uh, invite a friend. Now, uh, his name is Ed McGlasson. He's been here before. <laughs> uh, Sue's favorite. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> well, <laughs> of course, there's always a story behind why Sue's so excited, uh, and I'll tell you the story, because one of uh, Sue's friends uh, had a, was blind, and she came to the meeting driving her car in the dark, very nervous about that because uh, she wasn't supposed to drive, but she knew that uh, Ed operated in the gift of healing, and so when she uh, arrived, uh, Ed prayed for her, and while Ed was praying for her, something physical fell out of her eyes, and she could see 100%. I mean, she got so excited, she was like literally shouting and jumping, and uh, I mean, as you can imagine, if you've been blind in one eye, and now all of a sudden get 100% sight uh, because somebody's just prayed for you, you would be excited too. So anyway, uh, Ed is, uh, is, he's got two areas which he works in, which I love both of them. One is... Uh, the supernatural, gifts of, uh, uh, you know, words of knowledge, physical healing, and the other is a love for the Father, the Father's heart, and he's written a few books on uh, the Father's heart. Uh, he's going to be in Syracuse teaching at the Iron Sharpens Iron. It's a men's conference uh, talking about the Father's heart of love, and uh, Ed is sort of larger than life. He, he was a, a NFL player, got a Super Bowl ring, for the New York Giants, and um, yeah, he's, he's worth coming to listen to, and it's worth in telling your friends to come out and listen to him. So uh, I say that um, because I would love you to just attend, and I'd love you to invite your friends. Now, uh, talking about NFL, uh, you know, an event happened yesterday that's bigger than the Super Bowl in sport. I know you were all glued to it, like I was. Uh, but, wait, you all look a little mystified. <laughs> Thank you. There was one in the crowd that's all over what the rest of the world was watching, which was the South African Springboks becoming the world champions <laughs> in rugby by pulverizing the British, you know, so I, it was just a glorious day. And uh, New Zealand is no longer the heroes of rugby. I mean, Henning's got his shirt on, so, you know, what can I say? Just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Anyway, now, uh, oh, Debbie's just walking. Debbie, I'm sorry about the Patriots and the Super Bowl, but the Springboks are the world champions. Okay, uh, Debbie, uh, Debbie's an avid fan of the Patriots, and she's looking at me like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, I know you'll all be praying for me. So, Rob, okay, get over it. <laughs> Finally, something to be excited about in South Africa. Cheers. Okay, uh, today we started our new series, as Sam said, and I'm talking about money matters. Wow, what a great topic. I'm sure you all just woke up this morning dying to hear about money. Well, I, I want to say this because, you know, Jesus preached or spoke or taught about money a lot. I mean, like a lot. 
And uh, the interesting thing, though, when Jesus spoke about money, it wasn't to give him money. Uh, in, in most cases, it wasn't even to give money to the temple. It was just that money uh, is something that we all have to deal with. And Jesus seems to think, and obviously I seem to agree with him, that money is like a big deal. Now, we don't actually think it's such a big deal, but it's a big spiritual deal. I mean, it's like the number one spiritual issue. Okay, so Jesus thinks that money is the number one spiritual issue to deal with. Now, that you know, might be a shocker for, for many of us, but it is the number one issue. Now, also interesting, if we look at or listen to or observe uh, current surveys and trends, in American society, money is the number one cause for anxiety or stress. Uh, and it typically revolves around, will I have enough money for retirement? Or uh, how do I keep up with health insurance which is on its own sort of trajectory when it comes to inflation. I mean, like there's no inflation to talk about in the economy, you know, with food prices or gas prices or housing, whatever. But when it comes to health insurance, it's like, you know, anybody that's been around for uh, 20 years or so and having to pay for health insurance, it's like, what am I going to expect next year? What is my work going to be able to offer me? How much more am I going to have to pay? And, and so health insurance becomes... A huge issue, and that relates to uh, you know finances as well. When you retire, Medicare is not covering all the health insurance costs, and so money has become a big stress factor, and uh, we all have to deal with money. The question that Jesus is asking us, the spiritual question, is: Do we put money first, or do we put God first? That's the question that Jesus wants to uh, challenge us with. Uh, or put it differently, uh, will you get more joy by having more money, or will you get more joy by having more Jesus? That's the question that we need to think about. Where is our, our joy going to come from? What's the source of our joy? How are we going to get there? I uh, love this proverb, and I think you know, Jesus' teaching is sort of based around this proverb. Uh, the proverb says this. This is Proverb 30, verse 9. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, Who is the Lord? And if I am too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. The reason that proverb is so helpful. It's like two bookends. You know, if you're really, really poor and you're living on the edge, uh, it's a challenge. And if you're really, really rich, uh, it's a different challenge. The challenge is you become self-sufficient. You feel like you've got everything under control. But God is saying most people are living in the middle. Uh, and that's where he's speaking to most of us. Now, he's speaking to all of us, those that are poor and those that are rich, but a lot of the, the, the concept of what I'm going to talk about today uh, with what Jesus is talking about is money is for those that aren't like, you know, how do I find food to put on my table? And it's not for those that are like uber rich. It's for everybody in between. But of course, Jesus, uh, 
you know, truth applies to everybody. Jesus puts it this way when he says this is the number one spiritual challenge. He says it uh, twice in the Bible. We have it in, in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. And it says no one can serve two masters. No one can serve two masters. And so as a spiritual challenge, when we think about money, we say, do we serve money or do we serve God? And for probably most of us, we'd say, no, no, you know, Jesus first. I've invited Jesus into my life, and uh, I don't serve money. Uh, and then Jesus kind of pokes at us, and he says, okay, let's, let's test it out. Let's see if you really do serve money or you know, what is the motive in your heart when you put under stress or when you're planning? Uh, what becomes a priority? And uh, when we do it that way, then we realize, wait a bit, we are under a lot of stress uh, to not be engrossed with some of the traps that uh, money can offer us, and it's a false, uh, a false trap. So Matthew tw uh, 6.24 says this, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And we say, yes, we can. We can serve God, and we will have no problem with money. And God is saying, no, you can't. And you say, yes, we can. Uh, we'll handle our money, we'll believe in God as a spiritual exercise, and then we'll do whatever we want with our money, and we'll have no problem with that. And God's saying, you will be enslaved. You, will serve, you cannot serve both God and money. Now, I just want to pause here for a second, because this is an interesting um, Bible translation, or trying to uh, keep up with how updates happen in the Bible. If you've got a printed version of the NLT, it'll read this way. You cannot serve both God and money. If you look at the online version of the NLT, it says you cannot serve God and be enslaved by money. It's different. I, I, maybe many of you know this, but uh, the ESV version, the NLT version of the Bible, uh, what they're doing now, it's sort of like updates as you go. So if you've got a printed version uh, and then you go online, they differ. And uh, for many of you, say, well, that's pretty frustrating. And if you're a kid or somebody, you know, 30 years or 35 years and younger, it's like, duh. Like, I mean, you know. Uh, you know, I used to love Excel. It used to really annoy me when they keep coming with an upgraded version. I keep saying, I love the current version. I understand the current version. I understand all the bells and whistles. I don't need an upgrade. I'm not looking for anything extra. It's just fine the way it is. But the upgrade would come, and it's like, oh, okay, now I've got to learn the whole thing again. And, you know, finally you move from one version to the next to the next. This is what's happening with Bible translations. As they're nuancing little things, they're updating them straight away. So if you go online, you get the updated version. If you get the printed version, it differs. And uh, the, the NIV is not doing that, I don't believe. But it's just a heads up, right, just so that you don't get thrown, up, thrown out. Uh, it's not good or bad. It's, you know, they're tweaking it. Um, trying to make it better and better. But the point of the exercise here is you cannot serve two masters, and this uh, expression is twice in the Bible in two totally different stories. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. 
You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So I would like to actually try and teach both those stories because although that line is common, the story is not common. Uh, the first one is in Matthew 6, verse 19. And it says this, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And then Jesus puts the punchline in. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And clearly what Jesus is saying here is, look, think about eternal things. Think about heaven. If you focus on that, if, if heaven becomes your destiny that you're longing for and you're looking forward to, that's where your heart will be. And you'll reorientate your life for that end. That's the point Jesus is trying to make. Uh, and then the very next uh, verse, which sounds like totally out of context, it's like Jesus got ADD or something. It's like he's jumping around. It says, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Wait, these are totally related. Uh, what God is saying is this. When we fix our eyes on things, now we're talking about material things too. Like, what we're doing is we are feeding our minds with what we look at and what we observe and what we fixate on. And where our attention is, is our treasures. And so it's sort of like a self-test. It's like, what are the things that you're looking at and thinking about and focusing on and reading and watching? And Jesus is saying, that is going into your mind. Now, if you enjoy doing the things that you enjoy watching, reading, it's not like it's good or bad. It's just like that is the light going into your mind. And what Jesus is saying is be aware of that uh, and try and focus your eyes on things that will be uplifting and helpful and positive. It's not neutral. It's not like what you're looking at and observing doesn't have any impact to you. It does. So your eye is a lamp. And then right after that, that's, we get the verse. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And you say, no, I won't. I will not despise. And God says, you will. <laughs> and we say, no, we won't. I can desire money. I can look at all the things that the world offers me. And I can hold those two intentions. I'll love Jesus. But, you know, I also want, and you can fill in the blank, the new car, the new house, the brand new this, uh, the fantastic vacation, the biggest diamond ring, you know, whatever it is. I, I can love Jesus and also do that. And Jesus is saying, no, you can't. And again, it's not about like cars are evil or houses are evil or diamond rings. No, it's not about that. It's about what is it that you're trusting? What is it that's going to give you life? What is it that's going to be fulfilling, rewarding, and enriching? And what Jesus is saying, that car's going to get old. And when you need to get a repair job done, it's not going to be so awesome like when you took it off the showroom floor. 
and it's just going to decay. But Jesus is not going to get old. He's always going to be awesome, and he'll never let you down. And he, he's trying to like say, listen, put your hope on Jesus. These other things are going to rust and destroy. And like people say, there's no new car on the road. Every car on the road is a used car. And so it gets old really quickly. And possessions do that. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. I mean, here's Jesus. He's just teaching and he is changing seemingly topics like rapid fire. Okay, so don't worry. Don't worry about everyday life. And we say, but we do worry. We stress out. And then he goes on to talk a lot about clothing and don't worry about it. And why do you have so little faith? And then on 33, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Okay, that's the clue. Jesus says he will give you everything you need. But you don't need to fixate on that. You need to fixate on Jesus. And as you focus and worship and get your energy and get your desires from Jesus, the other things will take care of itself. But if you put your focus and your energy and your desires on the things that you want materialistically, Jesus will always be in second seat, second place, bringing up the rear, and it ain't going to work out. And then he says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. And of course, we just need to do a quick little test. How am I doing? Am I worrying? Am I worried about tomorrow? Am I feeling a little stressed? And most of us would say, you know, I'm feeling stressed. I am worried. And Jesus is saying, wait a bit. If that's the case, reassess. Put your faith in Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Get your input from Jesus. Get your directions from the Lord. Obey the Lord. Follow the Lord. The Lord is going to bless you. He loves you. He's going to give you what you need. But you need to give up control. And we say, I don't want to give up control, especially when it comes to money. And Jesus is saying, you need to give up control. And, then, and so, you know, you just keep fighting this until you figure out, okay, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to overcome it. So the second story that Jesus gives us, and this is a pretty bizarre story, the parable of the shrewd manager in Luke 16. This is a strange story. This story does not go the way you want it to go. Everything about this story is wrong, except Jesus told it, so therefore everything about this story is right, uh, because Jesus told it. But it is a great story, and the best way to understand the story is that Jesus was a master storyteller. So he kind of leads you down a path that's just not predictable. And he keeps you hanging, which makes it a great story. But if you don't understand the way Jesus is telling the story, you just get frustrated with the story. Here's why. Let me read it. Jesus told the story to his disciples. <clears throat> Jesus teaching, teaching his disciples. There was a certain rich man. Now, of course, this is probably not a true story. He's making an illustration. There was a certain rich man who had a manager handling his affairs. One day, a report came that the manager was wasting his employer's money. <clears throat> so the employer called him and said, What's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you're going to get fired. 
Okay, so he has the setup. He's about to get fired, and how is he going to handle it? And this guy does all the things that you shouldn't do, and that's the way the story goes. And so basically, if I just tell you the story, the guy thinks, okay, I need to figure out my own life. I need to figure out what's going to be best for me. I'm in a terrible predicament. I'm about to lose my job. I don't want to do manual labor, and I don't want to beg. I just want to be rich. I want to be, live the easy life, but I'm going to lose my job. What am I going to do? That's the story. And so what he does do, he says, wait, but while I'm still employed, I still have power. I still have control. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get together everybody that owes my boss money, and I'm going to cut such an awesome deal with this guy that when I get fired, these guys are going to be my best friends, and therefore I'll have like, you know, somebody that will help me out when I need help because I'm about to get fired, and these guys will help me out. So it's all totally self-serving, and it's really bad. And then he calls the guy in, and he says, how much do you owe? Okay, just pay it now. Just give me half, and you'll be good to go. And the guy's like, wow, half. Pays the check. And then the next guy comes in, okay, pay 80%. Okay, 80%. And then he has the kicker in the story. <laughs> Jesus says, man, that guy was, he was sharp. And we're like, what? He was crooked. How can he be like, and Jesus says, no, 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 no. People of the world, in other words, people that don't follow God, they pretty shrewd. And this guy was shrewd, man. He was like, he's one up on you religious guys. You know, you guys think you're so like holy and what. This guy's smart. When it comes to money, he's got, he, was, he figured it out. Okay, that, that's the story. Now, I've got to jump into the point. Well, let me read it to you. The rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. So the owner of the business says, man, I'm going to fire this guy. But he was pretty darn shrewd. He, he's a, and it is true that ch children of, the, of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are children of the light. Jesus talking, here's the lesson. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Ah, oh, okay. So there is something here. It's sort of like love your neighbor. Use your money to love others and be friendly and not be self-absorbed. And it's like, oh, okay. Uh, Jesus doesn't elaborate a whole lot there. Then when your earthly possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. So use your earthly possessions with a long-term view in sight, heavenly. And then Jesus just gives us some super awesome practical teaching that we should all totally listen to and follow. You shouldn't follow the idea of ripping your boss off. That's, that, that, that wasn't the point of the story. The point of the story was building up to this one. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? And then we have the verse again. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money, or in the updated version, 
uh, you cannot be enslaved, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. What this world honors is detestable in the sight of God. Verse, six, uh, verse 15. So there you have it. Uh, God is basically saying, listen, invest in people rather than invest in stuff. Be faithful. Be honest. When people are noticing, when people aren't noticing, your responsibility is to God. How you handle your earthly possessions is actually a really big deal because it shows, it's an indication of what you're doing uh, spiritually and where you're at spiritually. It's a test, if you would, uh, that God is putting us to. Now, I because I'm talking about money, and because I said that uh, Jesus never asked for money for himself or not much for the temple, I'm going to just violate that and ask you for money. No, well, sort of, kind of. Not a bait and switch, but I wanted to give you an update on our capital campaign uh, really briefly because I have asked you uh, to give, and, and the idea here is actually along the same principle. It's like if when we give to a capital campaign, it, it's... A way of saying, okay, God, I want to put people first. I want to put the kingdom first. I want to see people come to faith in you. And so I just want to give you a quick update. We've raised $18,000, and I want to thank you for that. That's kind of like a big deal. And we have used that money to uh, update the children's ministry area, and it's really looking awesome. And uh, have a computerized check-in system, which is really going to help us a lot. And we have also... Uh, replaced the stairs at the rear entrance, uh, which is desperately needed upgrade because the other ones were falling apart. And you would have noticed that we've uh, redone the outside of that side of the building in the last few weeks, which now looks really terrific. Uh, and we, as I said, we we're going to, you know, as we get money, we'll do the things that we wanted to do. But uh, I just wanted to give you that update. I wanted to thank you, uh, and you know. It, is, it does make a difference, and the big deal here is that we want to see the kingdom of God advance. This isn't like we want a great church just so that we can have a great church so that it's all about us and whatever not. No, it, it is about advancing the kingdom. <clears throat> There's a, a preacher down south, uh, Andy Stanley, and he's really a fantastic uh, Bible teacher, and uh, we stole this name of the series from a series that he did, uh, Money Matters. Uh, we didn't steal his content, but we stole his title because that was good. And uh, when I was listening to his series, uh, he, he always comes up with these super comical, like catchy, uh, rhyming phrases, which I have to read them because if I try and memorize them, I forget them. Uh, but he said this, me living with leftover given is the way most people live. Me living with leftover given. <laughs> it's like, oh, great, it rhymes, it sounds southern, he's from Atlanta. And he said, most people, what we're doing is we put ourselves first, and then we say, yeah, but I'll, I'm a Christian. I need to be generous. And so whatever's left over, I'll, 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 I'll give that. And then as he astutely notes, because he's a pastor of a really big church, so he's got a lot of people to test this out. He says, everybody that lives like that realizes pretty quickly there is no leftover, because me has got a big appetite. And there's no limit to the amount of stuff or the things that me wants. New car, bigger house, more of this, better vacation, you know, more, more, more. I mean, new clothes. Like, it just, me can never be fully satisfied. There's always more, bigger, better, faster, 
you know, what's the latest iPhone, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it just never ends. And so the solution, if we turn a, a corner here and try and get a little practical as I, as I wrap up, uh, the solution is to start thinking about um, how do we overcome the temptation uh, to constantly just, getting lost in my own notes here, uh, put yourself first. And how do you handle your money? What's a biblical, godly way of handling money? Uh, you know, and how do we do that in sort of quick order? Well, if you don't think about it, if you just do, you will make some bad mistakes. And it starts early. It starts when kids go to college, often. I mean, they'll make a decision on college based on peer pressure or what's a fancy college or what's got the best dorm room, not thinking about how much is this going to cost, how much debt am I going to get into, and how much is my degree going to pay, and how long do, um, is it going to take for me to pay off my debt? And I guarantee you that there's people working with you where you are working that are still paying off college debt. And it's kind of painful when you're in your 50s and you're still paying off college debt. And that is people that incur debt way back. Now the debt level for college is just like a lot higher. So a big mistake you don't want to get into is getting into an excessive amount of college debt that you can't afford. Uh, you've got to use godly wisdom and put God first and realize that getting into debt like this is not God's plan. Uh, the other thing, if you kind of put your finances and you give it some thought, uh, one of the things you want to do is think about things on an annual basis. Like, how much money do I spend eating out for the year? Don't think about it like, you know, for the day. I'm just getting a quick Starbucks coffee. It's only 3 bucks 50 It's, what, 3 bucks 50 No, annualize it. Figure it out. As you're doing your planning, your budget, come up with an annual number. You will realize pretty quickly that you spend quite a lot of money eating out, drinking out, you know, fancy little treats, and then when you look at that dollar amount, you say, oh my gosh, I'm spending like three grand a year on, on eating out. And then you've got to ask yourself, okay, how would you rather spend the three grand? Would you rather keep eating you know, out at the restaurants and Starbucks? Or would you like to go on a super fantastic, awesome vacation? It's three grand either way. You decide. But just decide in advance and then stick with it. So annualize it. Now, what is every car dealer or anybody who's trying to sell you something do. They never tell you what it's going to cost on an annual basis. It's always what it's going to cost on a monthly basis. Oh, if you just sign this lease with this car dealership, I mean, you can have this great new Ford F-150 with all the bells and whistles, uh, you know, and it's only 250 a month or something. Now, who can't afford 250 a month? Or like, if you've got a hair transplant, okay, like a hair transplant is only a dollar a day. I mean, a dollar a day. Who would not want a dollar a day for a nice hairdo? I mean, it's like a dollar a day. It's like annualize it. And you realize like, wait, this is, this is money. This is like a lot of money. Uh, and yet we, we keep doing it. We keep staying with like, I don't know, soon there's going to be an ad out. It only costs so much a second. I mean, like, okay, what is that? I mean, sounds cheap. I mean, it's like a dime a second. It's a lot of money annualize it. When you annualize it, you know what you're doing. The other thing is this. The government's already figured this out. Uh, you know, in advance, before you start your first day of work, the government says a certain percentage is going to taxes. And it's off your gross, by the way. And uh, they also say a certain percentage is going to 
Social Security and Medicare. You don't have a choice on that. It's a percentage. Why not be smart and sit down in advance and say, okay, as a percentage, what do I want to spend on housing? Here's the dumb way to do it. You go to the bank, and it's like, how much can you get a loan for? And the bank says, well, how much money do you have? What's your assets? And then it's like, oh, we'll give you a loan for this much. You need a loan for this much. Take a percentage and say, okay, I'm not going to spend a good percentage, 30, 30% on housing, right? If you're spending more than that, it's not a good percentage. So our natural indis- indication isn't that. It's like, hey, Jimmy's got a real nice house in Southboro. What's wrong with me? I've got the same job as him. I should have the same house as him. And he's got a nice car. And By the way, he's broke, but you don't see that. But hey, you know, he's got a nice one, so I'm entitled to it. That's what everybody does. Everybody eats out. Everybody has a brand new car. I, I'm entitled to it. Everybody's broke. Hello. I mean, Jesus has a whole different way of going about it. And in a similar way with, with giving for the church, you know, let me give you some really good news. The good news is Jesus doesn't want you to give 10%. He wants you to give 100%. Okay, let's just get that out of there. He wants all of your money, all of it. He wants all of your body. He wants all of it. He wants all of your living and your loving. He wants all of it. Now, he is super generous and says, okay, you can keep 90 and, you know, but whatever. You might say, listen, I, I, 10% is just a starting point. It's like, Come up with a percentage. Decide what you're going to do for giving as a percentage and stick to it. I mean, do it in advance so you don't... If the government will do it, why don't you do it? I would also say, you know, just do that on everything. And it, it's not just... Do it on your bonuses. I mean, the government's doing it at 20% on that. It's that God is doing a test for you. He's testing you in this way. He's saying, will you put me first in your living... Or are you going to put yourself first? Are you going to ask God to be part of everything, your sex life, your financial life, your vacation life? I mean, God in every aspect of your life. God wants to be involved in everything. And the the mysterious thing is this. When we do it, it goes best for us. It goes best for us. Uh, Let me just finish with this. You know, most preachers which I'm not like most preachers. I'm not as good as most preachers, I agree. But most preachers preach about money in January. And the reason they do that is because that's when your credit card bill comes due, when you've overblown it in, uh, over Christmas, and everybody's listening, and it's like, okay, now whatever advice the preacher's going to give me, I'm going to listen to it. That's why preachers preach about money in January. Just take note of that, you'll see. January, February, good time when you're here. I preach like now, November. Why November? Because I'm a party pooper. I don't want you to have a great Thanksgiving and a great Christmas. That's it, okay? Just let's get it out of there. That's why I'm not the best preacher around. No, it's because of preventative maintenance. You're going to go into Christmas, and what I'm telling you is take a percentage of how much you're going to spend and stick to it for crying out loud. You know, just decide what it is and enjoy it. But make sure you can afford it. That's the point. Look, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. It's the last one. And by the time we get to the last one, we've forgotten about it. How about having self-control when it comes to credit card spending? A major issue. Okay, instead of just spending, self-control. No, I don't need to just order this thing online. No, I don't need to walk around the mall thinking, what can I buy? 
Like, what is there in this place? I mean, it's like, nah, nah. Oh, yeah, that looks pretty interesting. Yeah, I think I'll buy you know, $1,000 on some. Fruit of the Spirit, self-control. Let me just end this way. For many of you, your credit card is in charge of you. Your bank is in charge of you. You're feeling the stress of that. And God wants to be in charge of you. Put God in charge. Allow God to be in charge. Don't make the mistakes in advance. And if you've already made the mistake, okay, now it's going to take a lot of work. But you can undo these problems. God will help you. God will help you to get out of the mess that you're in. God is loving. But it does take a certain amount of integrity and stick, you know, with itness to say, I'm going to do it God's way. And I'm going to follow God's plan. And if you say, I'm going to live righteously, I'm going to live wisely, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to you know, help us, and I'm going to live sacrificially, you can be blessed. Uh, and believe me, you will start seeing miracles in the area of finances in your life when you start putting God first. So let me just end there. We'll have Elizabeth and the team come on up for uh, lead us in worship. And let me just end with what Jesus says. You cannot serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, people that like really get riled up. I mean, this preaching about money is such a fun topic because people either love it or hate it. There's no neutral. People that like are super generous and for the kingdom, they're like, Preach about money, brother. I mean, preach more often. And then you've got others like, you're always preaching about money. Like, I mean, you know, like, why do you always talk about money? And invariably, that person's like, doesn't want to tithe, doesn't want to give. It's like, you know, oh, it's painful. Get on Jesus' team. I mean, just settle this issue once and for all and say, God, I want to live a holy way. I want to devote my life financially to you uh, in every area, but certainly my area of finances and live according to what God has given you. Why don't we uh, stand and, and uh, let's, let's worship.